the outhouse, and the penthouse. You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can get me at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I am joined by Patrick Sheldon. If you want to read him, you can read him on DeWindy City as part of the Fan Sided Network. Find him on Twitter at P underscore Shells. The assistant editor of Bears Wire, Brennan Chagru. You can read his stuff absolutely anywhere. And if you want to get him on Twitter, it's at Brennan Chagru. That's S-U-G. G-R-U-E. And Jack Wright, if you want to get him on Twitter, that's at Bear Down Jack. Now, of course, Logan Bradley, our good friend, cannot be here this evening. Uh, we're hoping that we're going to catch him in a couple weeks here. But if you want to find him on Twitter, that's at Bear Down Bradley. Now, boys, I've asked this question at least once in the last three weeks. I'm going to ask it again. Have you ever felt this good after a loss? Let's go, Jack, Brendan, Patrick. No, I don't think I ever have felt this good after a loss. And I, you know, you know me, I've been trying to be a casual observer, but it was impossible not to get swept up in the moment of that third and fourth quarter. I can't remember the last time I walked around my house and just like jumped around and profanity laced tirades and, and, and fist pumping. And it was so fun to watch this game, you guys. I'll admit I actually have felt better about a loss only because this game was so freaking close and I really got swept up in the end when the officiating calls were horse crap drops at the end ruined it. But I I mean, the last two losses, I would say I I felt a little bit better about the Dallas loss because that one was already over. I can kind of like put my feet up. This one had me until the very end, but my God, like I was giddy at times during this game, watching Justin Fields. I mean, you, you lose characteristics and adjectives to talk about it. The guy is just unreal. This offense is unreal. And yeah, I feel good. I don't feel the best, but I still feel good. Yeah. There were losses that I've felt better after, but it was usually because of nature's sleeping pill, Jack. It's a callback. It's a, a, (laughs) it works wonders. It does put you to sleep. It does. I, I, I missed last week, so I had a, I had to start off with a callback. But no, um, I'll I'll admit. So full disclosure for those listening, uh, take my comments throughout tonight with somewhat of a grain of salt. I was I had reserve duty today and was watching the game on my phone as much as I could. Uh, so there were admittedly bits and pieces that I missed, but from what I saw, I don't think I've ever seen a Bears offense look this good where I didn't feel like it was just a a flash in the pan one week thing. Like this is the first time it feels sustainable. Even with Mitch, it never felt sustainable with Cutler. It never felt sustainable. Um, There wasn't a a stretch of, of games where you felt like this could be something long-term. And I felt like that after today. 
We will talk about Justin Fields a lot today. We've never had this. We've never had this. You ask any Bears fan right now, Justin Fields is the unquestioned starter. Unless some dude is just trying to play contrarian, he is the best quarterback we have had ever. Like the dude who tried to tweet out that Poles was scouting CJ Stroud. At the, uh, I don't think he was taken. trying to do that. I think he just wanted to, you know, start stuff to start Want some stuff. clicks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just think it's it's been fun to watch. And and I, there were times with Mitch that you said, okay, here it is. There were times with Jay Cutler, you say, here it is. But then there was always that, like, oh, oh, oh. And it, I just over the last three weeks, I'm looking at these numbers, just going. How can you be anything but just elated at where he's going? Now, could the passing numbers be higher? That's what a lot of Bears fans are saying. I don't think they can because they don't have any receivers. Chase Claypool, anybody have on their bingo card that he was going to get that many snaps and 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 even have a chance to have part of a game-winning drive at the end of the game? I sure didn't. That just goes to show how bad this receiving unit is because they not only ship a second round pick for Chase Claypool, but four days later, not even they're like, yeah, you're going to play like 30, 40 snaps. I'll be really interested to see what the snap counts are, but you're right. I, I don't even think of it as like a franchise quarterback or anything, but Justin Fields is just a franchise player. He is the, he's transcending the quarterback position. And I'm trying to think, I think the last most exciting Bears player that we've ever had that's like must-see TV is Devin Hester. It's Devin Hester and then Justin Fields. Like those two in terms of anything can happen when they touch the ball. I think that's unbelievable. Jack, I'm going to ask you this question because you and I, since so we've been what podcasting for two and a half years, who knows, three Mm -hmm. seasons now, who cares? Doesn't matter for a long freaking time. And, and you've talked about this idea of having an offensive player who's a blue chip player, changing games. Have we ever had one like this? I said to you earlier, and I, and I can see Devin Hester as being in the conversation, but I, I was starting to contemplate whether or not it was Walter Payton. I mean, quite honestly, I, I made the mistake of calling Boers and Bernstein one time and saying that we haven't had a blue chip offensive weapon since Walter Payton, a game changing electric touchdown scoring weapon since Walter Payton. And, and now maybe with Justin Fields, we have that as well. I mean, elite, elite athleticism, electric, able to score at any moment. Uh, It's, it's pretty exciting. It is exciting, but it it's it's not a surprise. Like again, if you if you know what this kid has been made of throughout his entire life, his entire career, he succeeded at every level. You know what he's like physically. You know he has the gifts. You know he has the talent. You know he has the mental makeup. It really was just a matter of giving him time to let things settle down, uh, give him a little bit of support, and he didn't need much. But you know. For a kid learning his his second offense in less than an, a, a full season of NFL, right? Like he had up until recently, he hadn't played a full season's worth of games, and he was on his second offense and a second coaching staff. And folks were ready to like run him off and already looking at the next 
uh, draft class. And it, it was just mind boggling to me um, that folks were willing to, to write this guy off so soon when he's done what he's done throughout his entire career. So um, glad to see that he's finally starting to have the results that I think we all kind of expected him to have at some point. Um, I'll concede. I, I didn't think it would happen this quickly this year. I thought we would start to see some games like this at the end. Uh, I did not think we would see three games like this stack back to back with the talent he has around him. So that for that reason, I'm super surprised and impressed, but um, not surprised that that he's starting to play this well. Ladies and gentlemen, the last thing you want to have in the Midwest, in the Chicago area right now, is long hair. I don't know if you know, but the source of all wind originates in the Chicagoland area. You got to go get your locks cut, ladies, gentlemen, all of you. You got to go to Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, which has been serving the community for 68 years. There's six barbers. They're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to sheridansbarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. I just was in Sheridan's Barbershop this past week. Will suggested that if you're going to make an appointment over the holidays, you should do it sooner rather than later. They do have an extra barber on hand because of the holidays, but if you want to get in there, you should probably go ahead and make that appointment now. All right. So Brendan, you're going to have to break down this game, not just for Patrick Sheldon, who couldn't watch every beautiful, beautiful moment of it. You're also going to have to break it down for everybody else. And I, for one, am very excited to hear Brendan's breakdown. Let's hear it, baby. The Miami Dolphins swam upstream to face the Chicago Bears just off Lake Michigan on Sunday in the Mammal Mania event of the year. It was the Bears who looked like they were fish out of the water though early though. Raheem played the most dangerous game, scoring the first touchdown of the day. But that started a back and forth battle between land and sea that would soon become the blockbuster of the year. Sorry, Avatar 2. The Bears responded with a strike from Justin Fields so good to Cole Komet the Frog, who snatched up the pigskin like he was dating Miss Piggy. But the Dolphins wouldn't go back to their caves just yet. Tyreek King of the Hill fueled the Dolphins with charcoal to retake the 14-10 lead. Damn it, Bobby. We used propane and propane accessories. My mistake on that one. Things got ugly when the Dolphins blocked a punt to go up two scores. But Fields in the offense said, show me the Mooney as they cruise to a touchdown to make it a 21-17 at half. But like a speedboat in the ocean filled with a kilo of cocaine, however, Miami wouldn't slow down coming out of halftime. Tuanon conspired to find Jalen in the end zone, who waddled away until the very next play. Bump, 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 bump. Then Fields went fast. Jeff Wilson caught a pass. And Komet put his foot on the gas, all scoring touchdowns on the Soldier Field grass. The game then came down to the final drive for the Bears, but the game needed to be stopped when Chase Claypool was seen choking and a Dolphins defender was seen giving him the Heimlich. Oh wait, that was a missed pass interference call. Then Equinemius St. Brown your pants left the field in shame after dropping the final pass just like a deuce. Dolphins 35, Bears 32. Oh my God! Easily that was fantastic. That's, that's the best one you've ever done. It's Easily not even close. Ever. It's not even a little bit close. That is by far 
Brendan's best breakdown ever. I'm proud ever. of that one. I'm proud of that one. I got a good night. I got a good night's sleep last night, boys. There were a couple in there that I think I think people probably missed, but I sure didn't. No. Bravo, that was, dude. That was really that was well done. Honestly, not kissing your ass. Easily the best. That was so good. <laughs> I'm going to play that one again and again and again. Brendan, I was just gonna say, I, I put a lot in there and we, I actually can take a few out because I didn't want to overdo it. But yeah, definitely. If you missed it, you know, go back and listen again. All right. So, boys, let's do this. Uh, let's break down a, the game just a little bit. The things that we saw, things that we noticed about the game holistically. Um, Sheldon, I'm going to have you go first just because, like you said, you weren't able to catch the whole thing. So just maybe things that kind of stuck out to you from there. We're going to go Brendan, Jack, and I will finish it up. Yeah, so I'll start with an observation of the Dolphins because I think it it's it's germane to the Bears. And that is that, and I, I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of Tua this year, but boy, his receivers bailed him out of a lot of throws today. Um, they adjusted to the ball very well. Tua had a lot of balls that were either underthrown or off target, and his receivers just simply went up and made plays. Now, a Dolphins fans going to have to have to uh, check me on this. It, I don't know if that's what he's like week to week, but if so, his receiving core deserves a lot of credit for uh, his performance. And I think, you know, you look at Justin Fields and how accurate he is, you get players who can catch easy ones, right? <laughs> Not only easy ones, but then you get guys like, like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle who can adjust and make terrific plays. I mean, sky's the limit for field. So uh, I think it just underscored the talent deficiency again, um, at least to me. I, but I feel like once they get some receivers around him, uh, the sky really is the limit. And then the other observation I had, uh, you know, for folks that are so inclined and going to get access to the numbers, I would love to know how many times they were max protect because it felt like so many times I would hear or see only a couple of receivers go out for routes. And you know, Ryan, you talked about earlier about how some Bears fans want the passing, I guess, the yardage numbers to be higher to make themselves feel better. But, you know, I think the thing that we're seeing is that when the passes aren't there, he's still hanging in the pocket trying to make something happen. And then when it is clear that there's nothing there, then and only then does he look to run um, again as he gets more talent around him, they can they can send more than two receivers out to run routes uh, greater chance. Somebody will get open and he'll see them and hit them and the yards will go up. So don't worry guys. Like don't be the, don't be the weeder of the world um, and, and worry about the manner in which he's developing because he's developing week to week. Uh, and, and so I, I think there are a ton of positives to take away today. Uh, and I was very encouraged by what I saw. Shells, you bring up a really good point that I didn't think about. I didn't see that many four or five receiver sets out there. Now, granted, I think part of that was limitations due to having somebody like Chase Claypool. You sent down Bayless Jones Jr., who wasn't activated. And so I'm sure they were trying to do something different, especially with some of those jet sweeps they had and some of those end arounds with the receivers, which actually at times they worked, surprisingly. I mean, when's the last time we saw a tight end jet sweep? With Cole Komet, of all people, actually uh, be successful. So 
but you're right. Just like seeing that, I don't, I don't like to just look at the box score anymore with Justin Fields because those numbers don't tell the full story. Watch it and see it with your eyes. And you're seeing a guy that continues to hit passes that he wasn't hitting early in the season. He's more confident in the pocket. He's more confident on the rollout. He's doing things like that 61 yard touchdown run where he was untouched. He blew past the entire defense. He had a pump fake that pumped the defender right out of his shoes. Like he's trying to, you know, look downfield. I know you brought it up shells last week, him just keeping his eyes downfield just long enough to make sure that the defense, you know, potentially falls for something, but man, even, even when they do have spies back there, they're not fast enough. They're not good enough to get this guy. His athleticism is just that good. It's unfreaking believable. Now, Going to the defense real quickly, I, I don't know. I thought Tua looked a little sharper than you you did maybe. He did have just a clean pocket the entire day, though. And when you don't get touched and when you have dynamic receivers like Waddle and Hill, guys that get open by will, yeah, it's going to be a lot easier. But I thought Mike McDaniel called a really nice game. I didn't even think it, they needed a rush because that pass defense was so horrendous. But, man, it's it just – it's good to see the offense perform as well as it does. I just wish the defense didn't completely fall off a cliff the last two weeks. That's all. I mean, I'm, I, I get the losses. I know that, you know, we want development for fields and the offense. It's just, it is kind of tough to see that other offenses are just able to score at will. And now you are dependent on your offense to score points just to keep you in games. It's a great point. And also shells makes the points and then six, seven, the score and, AM 1000 steals them apparently that's how you know that's all right We're on the, you, on the guys you here. hear it here first we, yes, we you uh do. i'm telling you if you go back and listen to our episode and then compare it to what you'll hear this week on the talk shows you'll hear it here first we record at 7 30 p.m central time on sunday there's your <laughs> there's your time stamp time people. stamp proof of life and i would say we don't i don't think we generally tout ourselves like that Right. I mean, we're pretty humble. I, I do honestly think that, but that's the truth. I listened to the score in, in AM 1000 pretty much all week. And I'm like, wait a minute. We said that. We said that Sunday night. Okay. General impressions are centered around Eberflus. I think the tone that he sets for this team is great. It's, it's one of don't get too high and don't get too low. I think as you look through the course of the game, when it seems like we might be down or out of it, there's no panic. There's absolutely no panic. And I freaking love it because there's a consistency and there's a stick that pays off every single game. The penalties are down. <laughs> the turnovers against the opposition are up. The tackling is more sound. The message is good. I, I'm just I am impressed with the way in which our team conducts itself, especially juxtaposed to the visor guy. There are so many good things that you guys brought up that I just I, I'm I don't know who I'm, I'm going to give credit to you guys, but I I can't remember who said what because there's so many good things that were said. At one point, Brendan, I think you were talking about the the fakes. His handoff fakes, where it's those design runs, good call. he just he puts it in the belly. And it's just enough. It's just enough to, it's like a good play action passer, right? Where it's just like, it's just enough. And then it's all of a sudden dudes off and he's running his head fakes. He's using his eyes incredibly well. 
Yeah, he's he's not your prototypical quarterback in any way, but he is the best player on the field. And I cannot think of any time in my life other than when I was a little kid, barely understanding, I'm watching Walter Payton play, that this dude is the best player on the field. He's on offensive side of the ball. And and they're just other people are just kind of watching in awe of who this guy is. The, the Chubb versus Fields play. You guys know the one that I'm talking about. Bradley Chubb had him dead to rights. It's, it's Sac City. And Justin just goes, nope, spins out of it turns around, turns it up field. And, and at that, I like, I sat there with my jaw like open and, and I, I was sitting there watching it with my, with my stepdad. And he just kind of looked at, he's like, yeah, that was, that was, that was, I've never seen anything like that before. It just was incredible. Now, Brennan, going back to your point, like, I, I, I understand, I think to an extent, when you look at the numbers, I think Tua's numbers were, were pretty damn good. And I absolutely agree with you. McDaniel had a phenomenal game plan, but I don't know how you can watch this game and say that, Fields versus Tua, like they're even in the same league. Tua is throwing great balls to wide open receivers. I mean, and and it's funny is how many of the Bears beat guys are looking around and, and a couple of them were tweeting that it's they're wider open than they even look on camera, that that they're just that these that they were getting unbelievable separation. And it's just he's got a clean pocket and he's hitting them. He also has one of the weakest arms of any starting quarterback in the entire NFL, he, he, he's hitting like ducks on, on a couple occasions. And his, I think Sheldon, you were talking about it is that his receivers bailed him out of it. And I, I'm reading some of the things that, that Miami Dolphin fans are saying. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't think he's terrible. Please do not mistake what I'm saying, but he's, him and Justin Fields are not in the same category over, over the last couple of weeks. Justin Fields has had some just gh, bad games this season, but, but not today. Definitely not today. Yeah. And when I was talking about Tua, I wasn't saying he was better than Justin Fields. I just thought he looked when passing the ball, he looked sharper than maybe and what you guys initially said, but everything you said is right. Guys are wide open Two of the best playmakers. This is what happens when you do surround a guy with elite talent. I mean, look at last year, Tua was middle of the road at best, but and also, I'll just say, watching him try and scramble and buy time compared to Fields, it's hilarious. It's just the funniest thing to watch. But I'm glad you mentioned the the handoff fakes and just some of those play actions. You know who it kind of reminds me of? Aaron Rodgers. You know how good Rodgers is when he like does those handoffs, hides the ball? Now, he can't move the way Justin Fields does, obviously. But that's a huge improvement huge over the last couple of weeks. I think just seeing it this week, I'm glad you called that out. And that's kind of who it reminds me of. And that's not a bad comp, you know, at least previously, not, not now. Yeah. I, w- I want to circle back to something Brendan said, um, you know, talking about him kind of pump faking on that run. I think what we're seeing from him is being more in control and dictating things and being more proactive as opposed to reactive. Um, he is he is maturing before our eyes the things that he's doing he is he's like manipulating the play uh and and there are things that we saw like Mahomes do in in his first full season where you were like wow this guy's kind of mature beyond his years and and I think Justin Fields is getting to the point where he's really starting to understand the game and is playing as opposed to just trying to tread water and react to things that he sees but he's he's seeing things and trying to dictate 
the play based on what he's seeing, if that makes sense. And it's, it's just, it's so encouraging to see his maturity over these last few weeks. I think a large part of that has got to be his relationship with Luke Etsy. Those two are so very clearly on the same page and it has been so much fun to watch. All right, boys, it's time to get to the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. Interest rates are up, guys. Prices are up. Is real estate dead? It's not. But when you have questions, Jeff Cadwallader with At Properties, Christie's International has your answers. Jeff's 15 years of experience have been featured in Chicago Magazine and even Forbes because of his commitment to his clients. To connect with Jeff, visit GenevaJeff.com today. If you talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. So boys, we do have to go outhouse first for this one, I guess. Um, we'll see see how this goes. I'm going to be really curious. And then we're going to go penthouse. So for the outhouse, let's go Brendan, Jack, Patrick Sheldon, and I will finish it up. Outhouse, boys. Oh, thank God I get the easy meat because I'm coming after you, NFL officials. You deserve to be in the outhouse after what you showed in that fourth quarter. And I've said this like three times now, so I don't think I can say it anymore. I really try not to blame the refs. I really do. But I've done it enough where I think I have to take that designation away. Let's start with the first, the missed intentional grounding call. You know what? I think there's an argument to be made that the receiver was close enough for Tua threw the ball away, but he was clearly engaged as a blocker. He was not going for the ball. I think that's a, I'll save my language. I think that's a BS call, but you know what? Fine. You get one. I think it was the very next play that Eddie Jackson is playing the ball deep. He's going for it, and he just sort of bumps into, I think it was Jalen Waddell, who is also going for the ball. His head's turned around, and they feel the need to throw the flag there. So, you know what? If you're going to do that, at least call it both ways because the Chase Claypool call where the guy's arms are literally around his waist. I joked about it. It looks like when you see the still on Twitter and Instagram, it looks like he's giving him the Heimlich before the ball's getting there. Unbelievable. And then I just think if you're going to actually insert yourselves and try to make a, try to make yourselves about the game, just be consistent because clearly that was way, way worse, way worse on Claypool than Jackson. And yes, the Jackson call did not amount to points, but it took more time off the clock and it gave the Bears a worse field position because I think that might have been on third down. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was like a third and like six or nine or something. So uh, yeah, NFL officials, I'm really pissed off at that. And that's that's why I'm really pissed off with this loss because it was there for the taking. Hey guys, real quick, because again, I was watching on my phone, but on that intentional grounding play, it, to me, it looked like the, what I thought they were going to call initially was a hold because I think it was Justin Jones. You could see his shirt get pulled back as he's running towards Tua. Um, did anybody else see that or, or was I seeing things? I wasn't looking for it, but I could, I'll probably need to go back and check it. Yeah. I, I, that's what, when I saw that, I go, and I saw, you know, the, the, um, the play, I thought they were going to call a hold at first. And I was like, oh, well, they got the intentional grounding anyway, but they missed a hold on that play too. In my opinion, mm -hmm. they were terrible today. Yeah. The outhouse for me would go to, and it's maybe low hanging fruit. And I think it's all a work in progress. And I think the roster will be shifted next year, but the defensive line, there's no there's zero sacks today. Uh, almost no pressures. I think 
maybe one or two pass deflections at best. It really was a little bit like, you know, maybe like just the tip, just a little bit, just to see how it feels. We almost, at the end of the game, seemed like we were about to get some pass pressures, but really didn't ultimately. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. The D-line, they had a lot, uh, they have a lot of work to do on that particular unit. So I got, I got Shagru grabbing the easy meat and Jack playing just the tip. And you guys just expect me to sit here and say nothing. Is that? Oh, I know. I wanted to tee that up for you, baby. Come on. Boy, oh boy. Uh, I'm going to need a second here. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction and I'm going to put some of the naysayers still in my outhouse. Uh, some of the folks that I'm seeing on Twitter and I'll admit that the tweet by Weeder is probably what um, what sparked this in me. And my gosh, man, he just I'm sorry. He, uh, enough is enough. Like the guy just every tweet, even the most positive ones have to have some kind of like condescending backhanded criticism of the team. Uh, I feel like Justin Fields could come out tomorrow and, and cure cancer and his headline would be like, Justin Fields cures cancer took 23 years to do it. Um, it I, I don't know what more you want to see out of this team. Like this team stinks from a talent perspective. It's terrible. Uh, Justin Fields has, has as a second year quarterback in a his second system is carrying this offense for the last three games, guys, they've scored uh, 30, 32 today, 29 last week and 33 the week before. Um, when is the last time we had a team put up that many points in three consecutive weeks? And for years, we've lamented the fact that this team is defense, defense, defense. We have no offense. We have no offense. Now we've got a competent offense. That's putting up an incredible amount of points each week. And we want to bitch about the manner in which they're scoring them or how they're developing Justin Fields as if it's just, it's not good enough for you guys now. Like, holy shit, go do something else then with your weekends. If you can't enjoy the development and what you're seeing and the progress in a, in a year where everybody knew this was going to be a terrible year and a struggle. If you still have to find negatives week in and week out with this performance, go do something else with your time. Cause this sport's probably not for you. Real quickly. I just want to provide context for the tweet that you're referencing. Cause I realize not everybody's on Twitter and who knows how many more are going to be after this week. Um, so Dan Weeder said, Justin Fields is 178 rushing yards, I believe, established a new regular season NFL game record for a QB. Still, when the Bears needed to throw it late, they couldn't do it. He then got appropriately ratioed. A couple hours later, take a breath, folks. Justin Fields had a great day, threw three TDs, had a magical TD run, ran for a single game NFL record for QB rushing yards. The Bears offense is growing and trending up. Today showed hope. Bears also had two completions for three yards on the last two drives with two chances to go in. Don't read into that initial tweet more than you need to. Yeah, but but again, another like three quarters of positivity and then he just, he can't help himself. He has to throw in some like, some, some, you know, jab at the, at the bears offense. Like my God, he, he's, I don't know. He's the kind of guy that, that would turn down sex with Jennifer Lopez. Cause he'd like have to drive home the next morning or grab a warm towel or something and be annoyed by it. Oh, I don't no I don't think I can. I, I have to like, I have to get up early. It's 
Listen, I think, but your your criticism is valid. If there was some indication that he had no upside as a passer, then perhaps there's a point there. But ultimately, he had ESB right in the hands. He threw a dime to ESB on fourth down, and he dropped it. So there's no veracity. There's no validation for what he's saying. We already are a, a tremendous run team. The offensive line is overachieving because of Chris Morgan and because of Luke Getze. And so if you're looking simply at getting some weapons, electric weapons on offense, there's nothing that says that Justin Fields can't also excel in the passing game. There's nothing. If you're looking at it objectively, you tell me one single thing that tells me that he cannot exceed, like excel in the passing game too. Because he can. He absolutely can. It's a bullshit tweet. There are so many reasons to be excited over the last few weeks. There's so many, and yet he chooses to focus on the stuff that's gone wrong in a season we all knew was going to be a lost season. It, it's, it, it's infuriating. As a quick sidebar to continue what you guys are talking about, Justin Fields, and please, anyone that's out there, correct me with my numbers, but this is just what I found online. He's, f- for the last three games, passing, just passing, 48 for 78. That's about 61%. 464 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. Shut up. Yeah. Shut I up. Know. He, he, he's got terrible receivers. He's yeah, hitting but, guys in the hands. But Shut Mitch up. did that. Mitch did that in the game, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brendan, I do. I just, I, I want to say I hate the let's blame the ref guy, but it, it, it's egregious. It's absolutely an utter egregious. You're, you're hugging him. And you don't call it. And then Eddie Jackson's playing the ball and you do call it. Like throw some freaking consistency. Sorry. I just, I just want to just, you did a great job of saying that. It, it's, I don't like to blame the refs guys, but it was, it was absolutely the refs. Now, boys, I'm, I'm picking, and I'm going to say this. I don't actually, I'm not actually mad at them very much is the secondary. They just, they were, they were really bad. They were really, really, really bad. But you, again, you're going against two, of the best wide receivers in the game. Uh, and, you know, I can't believe I'm even going to say this. Jalen Johnson, he had a bad game. He, he, he didn't play particularly well, especially in the first half. But, but I, I think that guys were schemed to a perfect spot. The speed, there was zero pass rush, zero pass rush. And when that's the case, you're putting those defenders out on an island. And so while I don't, I'm not totally mad at them, I'm just... I, I have to pick somebody, so I am picking the secondary. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. He got like the two throws I was thinking about that the the two uh, under threw them. Tyree killed Burn Johnson. Uh, it was in the first half, and should have been a touchdown. And he had to slow up for the ball, and it was still a big completion. But um, I think they left a lot of yards on the on the table. Could have been a touchdown. And then the second throw, he got burned to Jalen Waddle and. If the ball wasn't underthrown, that's probably a touchdown too. But because it was, he's able to get his hand up and deflect the ball. Uh, I think it was on a third down play. Um, but yeah, I agree. He 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 was not good today. Would you put the pop passes and wide receiver screens in the outhouse? I, I, I didn't understand what the point was. I thought it was way too much going to the well. 
and they didn't leverage it in any way, shape, or form for a, like a, a fake wide receiver screen and then a downfield pass. I just, I, I just thought it was, uh, yeah, I just didn't think it was very good offensive play calling at the time. That's fair, and I did think that they were going to start setting stuff up like that. I, I thought the first couple plays to Chase Claypool, getting him just you know quick screens and quick outs. I was fine with it because the guy just got here. He's playing with a lot of nerves, you know, get him settled down, make sure you can kind of just, you know, sometimes you need just a quick, easy one to <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> sometimes you just need, you know, a nice, easy pass to, I, I saw shells. I looked at shells and I was like, I couldn't, I'm not good. That's fine. We all could from time That's to fine. time, you know, gonna, you know, those are wise, my friend. No, but bringing it back <laughs> just to kind of get chase Claypool going a little bit. I thought that made sense, but you're right. They didn't leverage it. They, they only took like what, just a few deep shots. One of them did end up becoming a DPI to chase Claypool. And then the other one, I, I think I counted like three deep shots. One was a Mr. Mooney. What was a DPI to chase Claypool? And the other one was where he was getting the Heimlich. <laughs> yeah. They're um, so uh, I've been critical of, of Getsy. And I feel as though he's trying to scheme his way around the poor offensive line. I think that's his best solution. And I get what he's trying to do, but I would like to see him uh, utilize a little bit more of the play action and rollouts instead of, you know, a lot of those wide receiver screens and things you were talking about, Jack. I feel like take half of those and turn them into play action boots or or design rollouts. Um, and I think that would be a little bit more effective, but I think he's just trying to, to, to compensate for having such a terrible offensive line. Boys, it's time to go out to the penthouse for the penthouse. I'm being very strategic in how I'm setting this up in the hopes that I can get Patrick Sheldon to say what I want him to say. So I'm going to let Jack go first Maybe Jack will go with the obvious one. I don't know. Patrick Sheldon, you're going to go second to make sure that that, you know, that first one has already been kind of taken. And, you know, maybe there's somebody else that's played really well for the last couple of weeks that that you may want to say something nice about. From there, we'll go Brendan and I will finish it up. Well, I I mean, I think it's just too easy to take to take Justin Fields. So I'm not going to. It's maybe it's a bit broad, but I'm going to go regime. And I tweeted it. I think. This regime so far has improved the playing field itself, the grass. The actual grass on the field is no longer a conversation. They're better on third and short and fourth and short. There's no there's no question about it. They step up to the line. They come up with creative ways to straight up go under center and get a first down. The GM can identify talent. The offensive coordinator adjusts to personnel. Fluce is a leader personal fouls are down for the Chicago Bears. I, I just I just think overall to me like the greatest thing so far, I mean there's cap room, there's more picks. I just I, everything and this is in the wake of have we lost 4 out of the last 5 or 5 out of the last 6? I mean we we're on a losing streak and yet I just think the arrow is pointing up in so many ways shapes and form on this specific regime. And so in the penthouse is is the regime. It's Poles, it's Flus, it's uh, it's Luke Getzey, it's Justin Fields. Uh, it's everything's pointing up in my opinion. Yeah, um 
for my penthouse, there are so many second and third string tight ends. I was thinking about putting in my penthouse and uh, coward. You know what I'm going to do? Um, I'm going to put the team morale in my penthouse. Oh, you're That's such so a, weak. I, That's I am. Ooh. I am. Yeah. yeah. You ha- okay. Just b- before you I'm gonna get do in it. there, that's fine. You have to admit he played well today. Come on, man. Say I will, his name. I will, <laughs> I will admit he, uh, he had a good game. Okay. But what I've said, what I've said before is, this is this is like how they need to use him. They need a U tight end. He is not a U tight end. Um, he is great if he can find the soft spots in the zone and he can sit down and catch the ball and turn and run. He's good at that, right? So, like, I think they utilized, and we're talking about Komet, for those that don't know, uh, I think they utilized him and his skill set correctly today. But they need a guy who can be that true U tight end. Like, that play over the middle today was an example of his limitations, in my opinion, um, and and why I think the way they used him and the way he was successful was probably his cap, his limit. But he could not get separation from that linebacker, and I and I know Fields overthrew it, but it, there wasn't a play to be made there anyway. Um, but like to me, he is the guy who could be a nice safety valve. He could be a guy again who can sit down in coverage and and find that soft spot and maybe pick up ten yards and and break a tackle, but he's not going to be the dynamic guy that I I think a lot of folks thought they were getting when they drafted a tight end in the second round. That's my biggest beef with the pick. Um, It's not the kid, it's the pick. And, and I just, I feel like it was sort of uh, a reach there, but if they can use him in the way that they did today, you know, great. Um, But I, I want to piggyback off of what Jack said and, and, there are so many, there were so many times this year where I feel like this team could turn on itself, right? Like Justin Fields could legitimately like throw everybody under the bus and, and he would be, you know, justified in doing so. I mean, how many times his receivers have let him down in crucial, crucial situations. Um, Again, whether it's Mooney at the end of the game, dropping that touchdown against the commanders or today ESB dropping that pass on a critical fourth down, or just any other number of times where his receivers have dropped short touchdowns or big plays for him that could have changed the complexion of a game. And you just don't see this team pointing fingers or squabbling or, or getting down. Like to your point, I, I think maybe Ryan, you said it, they just continue to fight. Um, they, you know, even till the bitter end, they just, the complexion of this team has completely changed. And I don't think we appreciate enough how different it is from the team that we saw at the end of last year that I think we were talking about wondering if, if they were quitting on, on Nagy, right? Like, they were just kind of giving up and um, you've got a team who, who is taking it on the personality of their, their head coach and fighting to the, to the bitter end. Uh, and I just think it's, it's good to see um, again, a, another example this week where uh, they came up short and they had an opportunity to, to have some infighting and they didn't. Um, and I love to see it. I will say, I mean, we've talked about it, but, you do have that feeling. And I think everybody on that team has that feeling when Justin Fields enters the huddle, there's that quiet confidence and just calm demeanor where 
he knows that he can make something out of nothing. We haven't had quarterbacks like that, or we had quarterbacks that just kind of had a don't care attitude. This is different. And I think it is, we were booing the pick, but we, I, you do have a good point with morale and just kind of the young leadership on this team, all buying in and realizing that like, Hey, something special is coming. I said like, you know what, this may not happen this year, but you can see the train in the distance coming. It's not hitting yet, but it's, it's going to get there and you can't stop it. That's the bears team. What did we say all off season? This year was about buy-in. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'm just going to sit, save the obvious because we all know it with Justin Fields and I'm going to say the offensive line gave up one sack and look, they didn't play maybe the greatest because there were pressures coming in. And I think the running game wasn't as effective. I think it was probably the least effective running game outside of fields that we've seen fields uh, had a big part in lifting that up, but they're playing much, much better. And the Miami defense, they're not the best, but they still, they're still formidable, especially with Bradley Chubb now in there. So the fact they only gave up one sack, they allowed passing lanes to happen. Riley Reef looks like a decent option at right tackle at the very least. You have Cody Whitehair back. Hopefully, I don't know if Mustafer is going to stay at center, but outside of the penalty, I didn't think he had a really bad game. And I tweeted, of course, he's the one to have a holding penalty that negates <laughs> like the, or causes the first three and out. But uh, yeah, I thought the offensive line played pretty well. And I'm just really pleasantly surprised with how they've developed. And I'll just give a quick honorable. You know what? I'll save it. I have an honorable shout out, but I'll save it for the anything we missed. All right. So I was going to go chase Claypool. Uh, and then I thought maybe I need to go Cole Komet, but you, I, nobody said it. And so I'm just going to say it. Justin freaking fields. He's the best player on the field. He's so much freaking fun to watch. 17 for 28, 123 yards, 7.2 uh, yards per, per attempt. Three tutties, zero interceptions, a quarterback rating of 106.7. Oh, and by the way, 15 rushes for 178 yards. That's 11.9 yards per attempt. One tutty, a 61-yard long. Boys, he's just so freaking fun. He's amazing. Justin Fields, Justin freaking Fields. And to reiterate, that is a single game record for quarterbacks. You have Michael Vick, you have Cam Newton, you have Lamar Jackson. Nobody's done it, but Justin Fields has done it. It's awesome. Miami's defense was supposed to be pretty darn good. They they got they got shredded, and it was fun to watch. All right, boys, please, and I and I cannot emphasize this enough before we get to true false. Well, actually, let's do true false, then we'll come back around to anything we missed. So I'm changing it up really, really quick. We've got a couple good ones, and I actually had a late entry into uh into true or false. We're gonna start with that one. So that one is from our buddy down in Melbourne, Australia, Andrew Davies. True or false, the Bears will be a playoff team next season. Let's go, Jack, Brennan, Patrick, and I will finish it up. True. They're gonna add uh, a couple of electric players via free agency in the draft. And as we've seen today, that's all they need is a few additional electric players and they will be a playoff team next year. True. True. I mean, geez, they could fall into a game or two and even be a playoff team this year. There's seven spots. The division's going down. They're definitely going to be a playoff team in 2023. Yeah, 100% true. They're going to win the division next year. Um, This division is, is right there for the take and, and, couple more players. I agree. I think it's theirs. True. And I think that next year they probably are going to have the best quarterback in the division. And that's going to be, 
really crazy to say that the Bears, man, I just, I'm just going to stop right there. All right. Uh, this one from our good friend, Scott Swartz. Scott, it's good to, uh, good to talk about you. I know you've submitted a couple good ones that we haven't gotten to. And so we made sure to get to this one. By the next time the Bears play the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love will be starting for Green Bay. Let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Chagru, Jack Wright, and I'll finish it up. <laughs> I love this, Scott, and I love the idea of that happening, but I'm going to have to say false. I, the, I, can't see, I can't see a world in which uh, Aaron Rodgers is benched for Jordan Love unless he's injured. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say false. They're going to ride this thing out. They paid him a gajillion dollars and sacrifice their cap for the next 50 years uh, to bring this guy back. There's just, I can't see a scenario where they tell him to take a seat in favor of Jordan Love um, because that would effectively be the end, right? Like he doesn't come back next year and they're in cap hell even more so without him. So um, that would have ramifications beyond just this year. So absent an injury, I don't see it. Well, you said absent an injury, and I'm not wishing injury on anyone, but Jesus Christ, have you seen the Packers' injury issues? Every They're running out of carts. I mean, Jesus, they're going to have to rob a golf course at some point to <laughs> you know make sure people can get off the field. So I don't know. With all the protection issues they have, I think he might actually get banged up. He's older, and who knows? I think he missed, might miss a couple games the way this trend continues. Of course, go figure if Jordan Love actually – plays he has the game of the year against the bears and <laughs> continues our misery but no i so i will say true i think something does happen i'm not wishing it i really i don't mean that so but i i do think you know an injury happens at some point unfortunately true aaron Rodgers is a cancer he is eating the green bay packers from the inside out Matt LaFleur and the rest of that organization is going to see it and they're going to realize it. They're going to eat the money and they're going to absolutely change. They're going to turn the page and say, hey, you know what, douchebag, Karen Rogers, we're freaking done with you and your BS done. And they're going to say, it's time to start over and we're going to start new and we're going with Jordan Love. And you can go over there and you can do all the drugs and all the stupid shit you want to do we don't care don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out i hope it's false you hear me out boys remember at the end of uh brett Favre's career in green bay lovey smith owned him and it was so much fun to watch that he that he he was bad and then all of a sudden he went to the minnesota vikings guess who ended his career you are right the chicago bears we owe that dude, and I want to see him throw three interceptions. I want to see him look terrible. I want to see him embarrassed, not 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 Bears win. I want to see him embarrassed by the Chicago Bears. And honestly, if he retires before that happens, I'm going to be a little upset because that that guy, I'm I just I have nothing good to say about him. Move on. Petition to get a rental for one game for Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, and any other pass rusher that we lost just for that game against the Packers. Please, Roger Goodell. All of them. All right. So, Meredith, you've got two in a week. So, at Murdy World 79, uh, true or false, boys, our offensive line has now taken over the infamous D we used to be known for. So, for this one, let's go Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. I'll say true. And that's the Justin Fields effect. I mean, when you have a quarterback like that, you can mask a lot of issues. And I know I'm saying this by pra- after just praising the offensive line, but 
when you don't have those playmakers behind you, or really you need a defensive line to have a good defense, it all starts up front for them. And there's not going to be like a superstar corner safety or linebacker to kind of pick up the pieces. So yes, with the trades that have been made and the success that the offense has had recently, that is true. True. I think polls put more time, energy, money, draft picks, free agency into the offensive line as a means to try to come up with a combination that would work. In the meantime, it's been kick the can down the road on the defensive line. They will get back to it. They will probably draft high on the defensive line. But for right now, the offensive line is superior. Yeah, I, I'm going to say true. I, I think you guys said it perfectly. I don't know. There's much more to say. Um, the offensive line's dominating. Defensive line's not. I won't be mad when they take a defensive tackle with their first round pick. I won't, I won't even be a little bit mad about it. In fact, I might be a little upset if they don't take that. I mean, now maybe you take an offensive lineman, but it, but it needs to, defensive line and linebacker pass rusher, man, there, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. Isn't that amazing oh. though? Like, can you think about three weeks ago? If no. we were sitting here, I was no, going to say be mad if the bears don't take a defensive play with their first pick. Chase Clay, I, I said it on the, in the last episode, which by the way, it, the numbers are a lot of people have listened to that one. Thank you all for listening to that episode. So, so very much Pete Sinek, wonderful guy. We're glad to have him on, but I, but I said it, Chase Claypool gets, it shuts me up. I mean, you, you get a guy that, that at least gives Justin Fields a, a better chance. And he's got two very different types of receivers. Let's move on boys at sorry, Madcap, which is at NY Bear fan. If the refs get the two pass interference calls right, the Bears win this game. Let's go Jack, Brendan, Patrick, me. I'm going to say false. And this is a theme that's come up throughout the entire show so far. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like throw any of you all under the bus, but I've never been one to blame anything on the refs. There was a blocked punt. There was a drop pass on fourth down. I think if you look throughout the course of the game at the play on the field, there's plenty of moments, and probably Iberflus and any other coach would say the same thing. There's plenty of moments throughout the game where the Bears could have won the game. And ultimately, if you're waiting around for officials to determine whether or not you win or lose a game, then you're probably not going to have a very successful franchise. I will say false. The first one doesn't, I don't think really impacts it with Eddie Jackson. I, I'm mad about it, but I don't think it impacts it nearly as much. With Chase Claypool, though, I do think this team goes to overtime at the very least because of exactly what happened. You talk about, Jack, what happened earlier in the game. You saw the same thing with Chase Claypool. They kick a field goal at the very least, then goes to overtime. I still think the Dolphins probably win because their offense was humming a little bit better than the Bears. But, you know, you get a point out of it at least. Uh, damn it, Ron Sport, never mind. That's a hockey joke, people. Winter soccer? Ryan just uh, shrugged. He doesn't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm going to say true um, because I agree with you, Brennan. I think at the very least, it puts them in field goal range to, to send it to overtime. Uh, and I think the Bears have the momentum. And, and I agree, Jack. You don't want to put a loss on an on a officiating crew. Um, but when it's that lopsided and there are that many calls that went against one team and not the other, um, it's those are tough to overcome, especially with a talent deficient team like the Bears, where the talent gap is so vast. Like the Bears, the Bears kind of need every break to go their way. They certainly don't need all the the calls to go against them. Um, and, and you know, not just the close ones, but the egregious ones too. Like 
they were fighting talent. They were fighting themselves. They were fighting the refs. Um, they had a lot to overcome today. And, it, you know, talent deficient teams or the, 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 the team with the less talent can't really do that. And so um, I just think on balance, the refs were awful today. But I think that play in particular to Claypool, because I agree, I don't think the other one has a huge impact. But I think the missed call on Claypool, it just – I think it changes the game. I think that the momentum swings tremendously if they call that um, pass interference. True. Bears had momentum. All right, boys. Last one. And this one is from me. And this is getting a lot more love on Twitter than I expected because I just put it out there as an example, but people are running with it. True or false, Justin Fields' performance solidifies him as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. Let's go Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and I will finish it up. True. I don't think you can point to a more dynamic performance specifically this week or within the last three weeks that would suggest that there are other quarterbacks that would fit within the top 10 and Justin Fields would somehow be left out. But I know some of you have the numbers, so I'm going to step aside and let you spew them. Go. Yeah. Um, I don't have the bona fides like Peter Bukowski. Uh, you know, you, you see that up there. That's uh, I got that from a Fruit Loop box, but <laughs> I, I put a sticker over it that says Milwaukee uh, journalist something award. You so, don't know me. You, you don't know you me. You don't know me. You are I'm an award winning writer. Shells I've had my so work legit. featured on multiple platforms. I'm so good. Listen how good I am. <laughs> I've had NFL players tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I look like a 47 year old psychology professor that was recently divorced trying to get back on Tinder. Um, anyway, back to the question. Yeah, I think true. I think he's a top 10 quarterback right now. And again, another one, like this is crazy that we're even having this conversation because it was unfathomable three weeks ago. Uh, but you know, I would probably say you got two of Mahomes, Allen, uh, <laughs> Geno Smith playing really well right now, Lamar, Jalen Hurts. And then I think you got a couple up for grabs, but I think you would probably, or I would put Justin Fields right there and then maybe uh, followed by Burrow and then um, Herbert. So, yeah, I'm going to say he's right now a top 10 quarterback. He's the most dynamic player uh, from the quarterback position right now in the league over the last three weeks. I, I don't think that's debatable. I scoffed when I saw this question. Cause I was like, no way, no way. And then I started looking at the names. I looked at the stats a little bit, but I know Ryan's got more of the stats. I just pulled up the list of names, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen hurts, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Geno Smith, and then kind of Tua, Dak Prescott, maybe. And then I'm kind of like splitting hairs here. Kirk Cousins, maybe. But then like Justin Fields is in that conversation. He's, and again, you're talking about like Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball pretty well. He's not the dynamic athlete that Justin Fields is. When you have to kind of like poke holes at it and split hairs, I think, you know, it shows that the argument is sound and, I don't know. I'd say Justin Fields is is a top 10 quarterback right now. And that's just wild. It's wild. If this was through the whole season, it's an easy false. But over the last three weeks, 
he's legitimately a conversation. So I, I gotta say true. And I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm, I might get some heat, but I'm, but I'm, that's why I said right now, not for the whole season. He's not, but he, he's, he's freaking electric boys. And it's just so much fun to watch, you know? So, so he's accounted for in three games, eight tutties. What? He, he changes games. Like he actually changes games. We use that word a lot, but when you actually have somebody that can literally do it, that says something. Boys, that was a fun one. We had a lot of really good submissions. Thank you for all that uh, submitted a true false for this week. I always look forward to this. And I am so glad that all of you are sending those in. So I don't have to write them all. So that makes it even better. Boys, let's go around. Please, 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 quickly, quickly. Things that we missed. Let's go. Shells, Shagru, right. And I will finish it up. I don't have anything. I think we covered it all. I got two things. One. Boy, this is a bad look for Bayless Jones being inactive and having the Bears needing to trade for Chase Claypool, too. I mean, I don't know when Byron Pringle's healthy. He's got an uphill uphill battle to get back to the active roster. So that's tough for the third round pick. And my final one, guys, I just love Kevin Harlan so freaking much. He is my favorite broadcaster. I love the games he does. He's just so good. And I tweeted before the game, crazy shit usually happens. And sure enough, we get like a blocked punt. We get Justin Fields running all over crazy. I I love Kevin Harlan and I just wish he'd do every Bears game. Just mentioned a couple of statistical items that stood out to me. Uh, Three out of four in the red zone, 10 out of 16 in third down, one out of two on fourth down. Chicago had zero fumbles and zero interceptions. Those are stats that I can take to the bank. I just want to give one more shout out to Chase Claypool, who really seems like he's been excited to be in Chicago and to show up on Tuesday and play on Sunday as much as he did. That's freaking awesome. And I can't wait to see what this dude does. All right, Jack, what do you got for us this week? Out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL currently, which one bothers you the most to watch? I mean, there's obviously Karen Rogers, but there's, you know, does, is it, is it Russ? Is it Cousins? Is it Kyler Murray? Are there, which quarterback when they come on and you watch them, you're just irritated. We'll go Brendan, Ryan, Shells, and I will anchor. Can we obviously take Aaron Rodgers off of the list just because to make it more interesting? Is that okay, boys? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That's fair. Good call. So are you saying irritated, like just their play or just kind of their attitude or maybe both kind of how you, it's yes. upper interpretation? Like, I mean, like it used to be for me, Philip Rivers. I, I realized he was a proficient quarterback, but nobody had a, a, he cried. He just cried worse than anybody I ever saw, but it could be yeah, play attitude. You, you just like, he comes on in the afternoon after our bears game and you're just, you're annoyed. You know, I think it wasn't always this way, but, and I know he's not playing now because he just got benched, but I would say Matt Ryan, because he's just so boring. Like he, he doesn't have the arm strength anymore. <laughs> he was never mobile to begin with. I don't know. I just kind of like, this is kind of past like prime Julio Jones. This is more like recent. Cause I thought, you know, Matt Ryan was a good quarterback for a number of years, but just the last few years with no weapons, 
just so boring. Like, I don't know. I wasn't like infuriated. Yeah. Just didn't want to watch it. If you know what I mean? Just hard pass. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. I was going to say cousins, but I don't know. He's starting to bother me more and more. And he's a phenomenal player. Patrick Mahomes. I'm here. I'm, I'm here. Like I just, every time gets me, man. I just, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why just bugs me. I was going to say Mahomes, um, but only because it, if up until this year, it sucked watching him be as good as he is, knowing that the Bears had a chance to draft him. And that kind of uh, ate at me. Uh, but it's great to have Justin Fields now. And so I'm going to change my answer to Kyler Murray. Um, he just annoys me. I don't I don't know what it is, if it's like the overinflated sense of self-importance or um the fact that he he thinks he's a lot better than he is and he just i don't know he's exciting but he just always has seems to have a poor demeanor and and disposition on the field um and it just i don't know i just get a bad feeling watch him and just kind of rubs me the wrong way and i i don't he could be a phenomenal teammate i have no inside information it's just like when i watch him i just go I don't know that he's the kind of guy that if I was on the team, I'd want to rally around him. Uh, mm-hmm. He just seems kind of divisive, but that, he, he was on my list. Actually, I almost picked him. So I'm glad you did. Yeah. He, he just spins around a lot and then yeah. he, uh, he gets yes. mad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like he'll get a direct snap in the shotgun and drop it and then look at everybody else. Like they effed up somehow. And I just say, so he yeah. was definitely my, he was my number one, but since you, since you said him, I just, I mean, Russ, it's, it's like he's, he's, he's on the field with the team, but he might as well not be. It's as if there's some sort of like multiverse that he's playing quarterback and the whole rest of the guys, all rest of the 10 are on the field, but he's not quite aware that they're there. He doesn't seem to talk to anybody. He doesn't seem to build anybody up. He doesn't seem to encourage anybody. When he does, it's fake AF. And I just, I don't get that guy. And I'm not trying to pile on because I know everybody's been like throwing him under the bus recently, but watching him irks the you know what out of me. Jack, did you hear the story that, Yeah, I, it's funny you say that. Did you hear that teammates actually have to go through his like manager to speak with him? <laughs> What the? Hey, yeah. Charles, from now on, if you want to contact me, if you could go ahead and contact my representation, that would be great. These are teammates in the same locker room. Oh, yeah. And I think he has his own office, too. That's weird. Because, of course, he does. Super weird. All right, boys, it's time to get out of here. It's time to give shout outs. Uh, this was fun. Fun episode, even after a loss. For shout outs this week, let's go Jack, Brennan, Patrick, and I will finish it up. Guys, the Sycamore Spartans are rolling, man. They beat Carmel Catholic High School 43-0. to They are 11-0. They play Sterling next week. I mean, quite honestly, I thought Carmel Catholic would give them a game, and they did not. BT Dubs, Olin Kruitz was on the sidelines for that game and said to Sycamore's head coach, you guys kicked the shit out of us all game long. So shout out to to Sycamore High School, to my boys, Jack and Connor. Shout out to Adam Rank, who I know I've shouted out before, but randomly he had this sweet Bears jacket on and he was doing a giveaway. 
And I was like, that was like the bear's jacket of my childhood dreams. He uh, sent me a personal message. Hey, what's your jacket size? What's your address? So shout out to Adam Rank, who's going to send me a sweet jacket, and to uh, Homage, who is the provider of the jackets. Super cool. When I get the jacket, I'm going to put it on. I'm going to tweet it out. It's going to be super fun. You get a Porky Pig it with the jacket or um, wishful thinking on my part? Uh, well, what's it worth to you, Shells? Uh, probably fair amount, Jack. Well, it's a good negotiation. Done and done. <laughs> we may be able to uh, we may be able to um, excuse you from the uh, uh, eating drinking thing that we you know Logan and I remember the the comp- the trivia competition that we won. Maybe if you porky if you porky pig it, you don't have to eat or drink something of our choice. Done. Oh, that's lame. (laughs) All right, my my shout outs quickly. First goes to Nicole Pinter and Nicole Pinter six. Just somebody who we followed each other for a long time. She's a huge Star Wars fan. She's a huge Bears fan. I think she works for the Cardinals too. So it's kind of cool seeing all those vantage points. I think she works in the press box or some media relations. So she gets a first uh, firsthand seat to see Kyler Murray just spin around like a little guy and infuriate everybody. Um, but she's she's a really fun follow. I've kind of I've enjoyed kind of like in, engaging back and forth with her over the last like year or so. And shout out to my guy, Scott Coral. I I should have done this a long time ago, but Scott finally got a job back up in Wisconsin as a TV reporter. He's working up in Green Bay in enemy territory. He called me one afternoon to just say, like, I hope you're not mad at me. I was like, oh, my God, what'd you do? And he's like, I'm working in Green Bay for one of the news organizations. And I'm so happy for that guy because he had to go down to Chattanooga to kind of fulfill his dream. Wasn't the best place for him. And now he gets to go back home with his wife and just do the thing he loves. And I'm just really proud of that guy. He's he's become a good friend and I'm just so happy for his success. So shout out to you, Scott. And uh, glad to see you're doing well back in Wisconsin. I got uh, two quick shout outs this week. The first is uh, Mike McDaniel. <laughs> Thanks for being just like a regular dude. I don't know if you guys caught it on Twitter, but the the uh, video of him, uh, Justin Fields ripped off a big run. <laughs> he just yelled, stop it to him. Um, I don't know why that just cracked me up. He just seems like a really down to earth, cool guy. Uh, and uh, so that was that was pretty cool. Um and then on a, on a more serious note, um, my next shout out and final shout out goes to you guys. Uh, the last couple of weeks uh, have been uh, fairly stressful over on this side. And you all know the reasons why I won't get into them, but um, I do appreciate y'all checking in and uh, and um, being so supportive. You guys are awesome and I really appreciate it. Uh, it means more to me than than you'll know. So thank you so much. This has been really fun, hasn't it, Shells? This whole it has. Bear Down Chicago podcast thing. It's been thinking, awesome. Think, thinking about like, you know, our decision to leave the Bear Down report and then just starting this whole thing up. And you guys just, we spent a lot of time together hanging out and it's just, it's been really, really, really fun. Uh, Jack, I feel a little bit bad about this first one, but I think you'll understand it. Mike Fitzgerald and the York Dukes. Also 11 and 0 getting their first win in the playoffs. It was, it was a close game. It had to go to second overtime uh, for them to, to get the win. And again, you know, my 
our friend Mike Fitzgerald uh, was told you can't win at York and they are now going to the third round of the playoffs, which is just so freaking cool. And I just know how much hard work he's putting into it and those boys, how much it means to all of them. And so shout out to them. And then the last one goes to our good friends at the Roar of the Lions, uh, the UK dudes who cheer for the Detroit Lions. Their dedication is unmatched and they get to talk just all kinds of smack this week. You forced Aaron Rodgers to throw three interception boys. Hey, if you are in the States, beers on us, 100%. Thank you for that one. For all of us at the Bear Down Chicago podcast, we want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are so many places to get Bears content and we've seen the numbers. And again, it's just, we've got some really loyal listeners. And if you're new, welcome. We hope that you will stick around. It means a lot to us that you're hanging out with us. So for Brendan Chagru, for Patrick Sheldon, for Jack Wright and Logan Bradley, I am Ryan Dangle, folks. Thank you so much. And as always, Bear Down Chicago.